0: I know for fact when I go into the ground, hopefully in fifty-five years, like you know, that people will say Gary Vaynerchuk, the creator of V Friends. I actually believe that. Even if I buy, even if I buy the Jets on the back of building V Friends, my intuition says it, first line is creator V Friends because I think V Friends is going to be my scaled masterpiece.
1: This week in the first ever episode of The Best Money I Ever Spent, presented by Rally, we had to start with someone that gets people excited, and I think I found the right person for that. He's invested in some of the biggest names in tech really early, he's made huge bets in a number of collecting spaces, and he's got one of the most highly anticipated NFT projects of the year dropping this month on the heels of one of the biggest projects of last year, VFriends. This week's guest is Gary Vaynerchuk, better known as Gary V. For anyone who doesn't know his story, he built a media empire under the Vayner brand that we talk about in this episode, but he's been investing in brand and content really since the birth of the modern internet. He took a family wine store, turned it into an online marketplace called Wine Library, which is one of the first of what will become a long line of hits for him, which included co-founding the app Resi, writing a bunch of New York Times bestsellers, and then most recently getting in early in the NFT space and releasing V Friends Series 1. That's a utility-based NFT that's based on his drawings of these unique characters that have human traits that him and the community behind the project stand behind. Those are things like ambition and integrity. There's a sharing squirrel which will pop up on Rally very soon as you'll find out. And then ownership of that NFT also grants you access, which we'll talk about in this episode as well. It's one of the most successful NFT projects of all time, literally. And now he's releasing V Friends Series 2. He's a machine. He puts his money where his mouth is, and he's also got a big plan to buy the Jets, which we talk about, which I think is gonna happen. We talk about all of it on this episode. A couple of quick housekeeping notes. First, there are some curses in this episode. It was a passionate conversation, so that tends to happen, my bad. Second, in the second half of the episode, we talk a bit about Friends and the offering that's coming to Rally. Gary's retaining 25% of that offering. The remaining 75% of the equity will be available as an investment on Rally. But nothing on this episode should be considered investment advice at all. You shouldn't make any decision, financial, investment, trading, or otherwise based on any of the information presented here without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with an investment professional. And read the disclaimers before doing anything on Rally. They're important. Anyway, enough of the intro. This is episode one of The Best Money I Ever Spent, presented by Rally with the one and only Gary Vee. Gary V, what's up, my friends? Thank you for uh, thank you for joining me, man. Sincerely appreciated.
0: Super excited to be here with you, my man.
1: Thank you, brother. I gotta I gotta start with the question that we'll get to V friends. We will get to all the good stuff, but really quickly, the question that I gotta get out of, off my chest and off my family's chest is: When are we buying the Jets? And how are we gonna make that happen as quickly as possible so I can avoid getting the every Sunday text from my dad about how bad this team is. When do we get there?
0: Uh, only God knows, my friend, but boy, oh boy, am I giving it a real college try. I I often clarify for people that trying to buy the New York Jets is my real, like, happy zone, right? That I'd love to buy the Jets, but if it doesn't happen, it'll be more than fine. I'll be more than fine, but the great enjoyment of my professional life has been trying to, and I'm giving it a real at-bat. From where I started, when I decided in fourth grade to where I am right now, gives me real hope over the next thirty years that I can pull it off.
1: Dude, I believe you, and I think that there's no one who's been who's kept it real for that long through a lot of lot of ups and downs, mostly downs, that they want to make that that that's the goal, that's the end goal. But do you think, do you think that a regular fan or regular people, and I say regular people, it's all relative, but will ever own a football team? I think the NBA has made strides to make it part of like that aspirational goal, like own an NBA team, and you kind of see regular folk getting into the mix, do you think a group of fans or a fan or a regular person will ever own a football team? Or do you think that's kind of like the all boys club, it'll stay that way forever? Do you think there's a way in?
0: No, and I don't think there's a way in into the NBA or MLB or anything else either. I mean, just think about the sheer amount of wealth and just think about the sheer amount of units there are, right, how many, we're talking about, you take all three of those sports, you've got 100 teams, that means only 100 people out of, (laughs) right, 330 million Americans, eight billion people on earth, like, it's a ridiculous thing. I think the thing to look out for, for the quote unquote regular folk, which I'm one of, and I understand that I'm starting to build some wealth creation that puts me in a different place, but you know, I just bought a pickleball team. I own with the Minnesota Vikings ownership group, the Wilfs, a big chunk of an esports team that has a Call of Duty and Rocket League. You know, regular quote unquote folk could have bought a football and a basketball team in the 50s and 60s, they still had to be rich, hmm. but it wasn't like what it is now. And so I think you have to almost look for the emerging sports, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that the seeing the pickleball announcement and seeing that you're involved in a space that is still growing. And you see that a lot in tech, especially where somebody finds something where there's a, it's a little bit of a niche, but it's got a really engaged community and really engaged fan base. And that's kind of like a great starting point to get people into sports ownership. And I think that that's, a, that's kind of a good segue. I want to talk, obviously, Series 2, and I want to talk about everything going on with VFriends and VCon. But starting with community and building from the ground up, I want to talk VFriends and the impact of Series 1. I think that it's coming up on its one-year anniversary in May. I think just by the numbers, because I think most people outside of this space, outside of Web3, they're going to look at success in the NFT space as you know, a money metric. Mm-hmm. You got half a billion dollars in total transactions, a top 20 NFT all time by volume, uh, around a 15 floor right now, which is around $50,000, give or take, 350,000 people in a Discord, um, one of the most active Discords you'll find anywhere, just never ending amount of conversation and commentary that's going on. So you're a positive guy, everyone knows that, you have a way of seeing the future in this kind of really bright way, brighter than anybody else potentially would. Did you expect when you were starting to post those drawings like a year ago, a little more than a year ago, that you would get to this point or did those numbers kind of exceed expectations? Did you see it getting to this point?
0: Exceeded expectations. And I also think that has to do with the frothy nature of the space. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's gonna go to zero that has hundred million dollar valuations or market caps. So I think I, my project got caught up with the current of how much the hype. And it, you know, I view it as my job is to be Jeff Bezos to the best of my ability. Obviously he's one of the best that has ever done it in creating wealth from a company, but I don't see any reason why I shouldn't aspire to be at that level. And Amazon was 120 bucks a share in 99. And then it was six bucks a share in 2000. And then it's $3,000 a share. And that's the journey I'm on. I think the numbers are enormous right now. I think that in a 20 year window, it's a—you know my job is to make it a value play. But do I think that the market is so riddled with greed and things of that nature? I I do. And I think that corrections come along with that. Do I equally believe I'm the guy? I do. And that will, I'll either be right and I'll clip this in 30 years and be like, see, on the rally podcast with Rob, I told you I was the guy. Or I'll clip it and say, let me tell you why I was wrong. I wasn't the guy. Here's the mistakes I made. That's kind of what I've signed up for, which is like, who gives a shit of, how successful I am financially, there's been trillions of people that have been financially successful through the history of time. I think what's more interesting is which humans came along that actually genuinely, deeply ingrained in their DNA, were interested in everybody winning alongside them. That's kind of what I've realized about myself and when I look back at my life, building a business for my dad, starting 50-50 partnership with my brother, helping so many of my friends, acquaintances, random people, I get a high on other people winning too. And so that's what I'm focused on. And that's why I love NFTs. Like all these holders of B one and two will inherently ride the tailwinds of what I do well over the next 40 years.
1: Yeah, and I'll say that you've done a really good job of being very transparent about that. I think that you've talked about, you know, the NFT winter and, and what's gonna happen, that there will be those ups and downs. I think your community in particular has been understanding of temporary pullbacks or situations where it's not exactly what they expected, but they're looking at the long-term. I think that's a a bit of the miss from a lot of NFT projects and communities right now was looking for an immediate flip, but seeing something a year-end do what your project has done to this point is super inspiring for a lot of people doing new projects and your community is so behind that long-term goal, which you've always said. I think, uh, you know, to to take a full circle before getting into series two, the team you have around you and the people that I've known through you over the course of the last like four or five years, starting with like uh, the first conversation with, with Nick Dio, for example. We were in LA and uh, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and he was out there. My girlfriend was with me. She met Nick. We hung out for a little bit. The next day, she was like, He's the nicest person I've ever met. Their whole team is so nice. And I'm thinking about it in terms of empathy. You get the most out of everyone around you, and that's your community, the people that work with I, you.
0: Because I, I give the most.
1: Well, I'll give you that too. And you said it on Instagram two days ago. You're talking about like empathy. A lot of people get big and they get money they get a little bit arrogant and they forget that like the people that helped you build it are the ones that are the most important. What's, how do you get the most out of the group around you? Whether it was the a community of 300,000 or so people. by, or it's by the... giving
0: by, fu- it's so simple. Rob. Like, like first of all, thank you for sharing that story. It just makes me so happy. First of all, it's, it's about giving. Nick is the VP of my core relationships. His job for a living, and I pay him well, is to bring value to everybody that I tell him to or that he stumbles upon based on knowing me. The end. Hmm. Do you know how insane of a job that is?
1: The craziest, I told him that. I said, like the pe- going to forge these channels and staying positive all day doing it, it's something you do well, but it exudes itself from everyone around you too. The people around you believe it and they're on that journey, you know?
0: Well, look, Nick's been with me for eight, eight nine years, right? It's not, you know, I also don't hire randomly. People come into the Vayner, X ecosystem, there's a lot of strategy behind VaynerMedia and VaynerX that's not obvious, which is, yeah, it's a company and it, yeah, it's a big ass company. And you know, VaynerX is gonna do well over $300 million in revenue this year, so it's not a small company, but it's really my playing ground to teach, to form relationships, the trust level I have for Alexandra Raffington, Lou, Tyler, Nick Dio, Andy, may she's insane i trust may with my life Hmm. you know like she's been only with me for four years but i know when i know and i build and we build
1: that's the move i mean that and that leads me to series two so you have this this huge community you got this great team behind you you have 15 new characters uh a reasonable mint price i will say which you can easily charge more for um i gotta put that out there never investment advice but it is something that you see a lot of really crazy mint prices recently To see the evolution of the project and where it's gone, where it's gotten to from both the the art and the team perspective, uh, but also in terms of conversation, it's so relevant. I think a lot of people come to me and they have a conversation about NFTs. The first time they really heard about NFTs and utilities associated with NFTs has been VFriends. So now you have Series 2, where it's this real evolution. It's a mix of kind of physical. You have VCon coming up. You have the digital with the NFT projects that go with it. How far do you think the physical product and the experience play into this iteration? And then going forward with what will potentially be series three or the next iteration of V Friends? How much of the physical world is gonna meld with that NFT going forward?
0: Well, it's everything. To me, I think about the real world almost more than the digital world. Hmm. You know, like the UNO collaboration, the zero, you know, obviously you're in collecting. I mean, look at these zero cool prices. It's nuts. It's nuts. I mean, it's like literally with national treasures and exquisite, like, Well, it's like, it's real stuff. It's, um, I think a lot about supply and demand. I've always been good at it from baseball cards to wine. I've just always been good at it, which is really paying off dividends. But I think about amusement park. I think about, Rob, I've had an incredible amount of energy deployed against amusement park. Now amusement park might be 13 years from now. Um, I think, I mean, I'm wearing like this hoodie really matters. Like this ambitious hoodie that I'm wearing that where is it on the left yeah that has the ambitious angel? I know this is all audio, but I'm showing you on the sleeve, right? Like candy, actual candy, um cereal, actual cereal, toys, actual toys. Um, you know, iPhone games, TV shows stamps, stickers. How,
1: how how important is that nostalgia, do you think? Because I'm looking at series two, and the, the characters have evolved from the original drawings and the doodles that you had that were in series one to where we are now. It looks like it lends itself to all these things, yes. like that 90s yes. era cartoon and the candy. Is that is that all part of the yes. thought process when you put together new characters? 100%.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the 90s were the 90s were a very specific moment, and this feels like the perfect 90s in 2022. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, it, it and it really, because of my age, it has... A real 70s, 80s, and 90s to a to your point. There's a lot of Nickelodeon in it. You know, Dora the Explorer, when I look at it, sometimes I'm like, oh, that yeah. looks right. Then it's but then it's also like really thought about from a Care Bear's Smurfs, Snorkels, you know, like, um, and then and then like hanna Barbera, Tom and Jerry, like it's definitely an impact in the last 50 years of pop culture character development. And then and then I think long term, like Look, I want to build that Disney vibe, but I also want to build on top of Kith, Palace, you know, off-white, Virgil may rest in peace, like these iconic people that have come along in streetwear and fashion. And at some point, Black Panther, anime, adult swim. So let like at some point when I think about series three, four, five, six, seven over the next 50 years some of these characters are gonna age up. You look at Batman, the way he was drawn in the beginning, the way he was cartoonized. In the 90s, he got grown up as fuck.
1: Yeah, you know, when yeah, Batman- It's like that Simpsons look too. Yeah. Like everything sort of changes over time and it becomes more mature, you know? Yeah,
0: when Batman's, when Bane broke Batman's back in comic form, that's very different than what we saw in the 60s, and the, right? whether it was on comic book form or what we saw with Adam West so i think in those terms you know i think about what a logo uh, a lego superman movie superman looks like and i think about superman on feature film and i think superman in a comic book i think about superman in you know the action figures from the 80s that i collected superman in the 1970s mego collectibles i'm a historian in pop culture collectibles i really am and it's Going to end up being all those hours of learning in the my teenage years, my twenties, and all the garage sailing I did. It's just all culminating. I mean, yeah. again, so, I'm going to show you something. I know this is mainly audio, but like I go to random stores. Yeah. Look at this. I just buy stickers like this from Japan. Nah, I did the same from thing from Japan. Dude, you I mean just, it
1: though. that's what those you got to do. It's just we're we're in a general the same general age category. It's that nostalgia and bring it back to life. You know?
0: Yeah, it's in it's me. Crazy. It's in me. And then believe it. And then look at look, look at this. This is mine.
1: Do you have a storage unit or something? Where are you keeping all this stuff right now? Yeah, I assume you have so much stuff. Where's the stuff? Storage, house,
0: <laughs> house storage, all sorts, you know, whatever the fuck it. I can figure out. I'm, you know, what's great about it all for me, V friends to the Jets is gonna work out for me because I'm authentically yeah. both. Meaning, meaning, I'll show you again because I'm in show and tell mode. Again, I know this is audio, but like, I'm actually a Comic Con sports card kind of like I'm into that shit, right? What everybody who's listening to the podcast right now, what I'm showing, you know, Rob is a Star Wars original That's package, killer. Greedo, graded. You know, like this is like really like I'm about that life, right? Like, I've been doing it the whole time. Thank God I got the receipts on the internet. Like when when I talk about pop culture stuff, we can pull up all the receipts from Trash Talk where I'm like talking about Hanna-Barbera this or Pokemon that.
1: Nah, absolutely, no question. And that's something that I think we think about like at Rally, we're always thinking about it in terms of like a mix of the the stuff that was relevant in the past, what's relevant right now, but what will be relevant in the future. And it's like that future nostalgia. You have somebody now who's in, in between 30 and 50 years old. There's a very specific 70s, 80s, and 90s vibe that goes with it. But it all comes back around so to see things that are digital that have that digital sort of wallet that it's associated with but it's got the physical feel of something from a different era that hits on all these different things that it becomes like my wallet in the future will not be like my apartment and the extra room that i have that's full of collectibles it might be full of the same thing digitally but thinking about it in terms of a franchise the way you're thinking about it. i think it could be omni channel it could be anything you it's
0: know? it's to me it's both right like I mean why did I grade my drawings that we're doing together?
1: Yeah. I mean that's and that that lends itself to the the real conversations I'm thinking about it in terms of you said it Logan Paul actually played a clip like 2 weeks ago an old clip of you it was from 2010 saying you know what I'm really passionate about is virtual currency and that's before <laughs> yes. anybody even understood what you were talking about but it's all come full circle and that now you have the physical you have the digital you have digital currency that can be paid for either one of those you have it in a digital wallet and a physical wallet it's all coming to merge right now so like a few months back, and this goes to the to the Series 1 original drawing on Rally, but a few months back, um, there was this auction for the five of the original drawings at Christie's. Yes. And that's one yes. of the premier auction houses responsible for some of the biggest sales of the last decade. There's
0: only two, right? Them that That's
1: it. That's it. And it, it's the five original Gary Vee drawings. They go for over $1.3 million. So now you have, just to cut through a couple of numbers quick and get your reaction, you have. A basic Andy Warhol sketch right now around twenty thousand, give or take. Um, a really good example of a Salvador Dali might be, might be thirty it could be, if it could really be authenticated. Um, you can get a great Picasso right now, like a good, a really good sketch that led to a painting for like a hundred thousand. Gary V drawing around two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Art is polarizing, right? It's this super subjective. Everyone's opinion is correct. Do you consider this art? Do you consider yourself an artist, knowing the price of your art now commands in the open market? Do you consider yourself an artist?
0: Yeah, but only because I I, like in 40 years, of, like when people look at the sketches, they're like, fuck this. But I'm like, yo, did you see the sketch of Mickey Mouse? Like it wasn't so, or Bart Simpson, like, yeah. or Tom and Jen, like they're not so complex at first. And then I think my art is, that I can paint pictures. I'm a storyteller. I do it as Gary Vee, and I've been able to storytell remarkably. I, I I had a huge impact in a in a very narrow way in the wine business through my storytelling, reviewing wine. It changed uh, the temperature of it being snooty to being a little bit more blue collar. I think as far as the last 15 years of influencers and personalities on the internet, I'm um, I'm in the mix. I'm one of the people that came out of it. You know, it's not like I'm on TV or anything else. Like I built my whole world there and and I'm really proud of that. And now as the architect of making Patient Panda and Accountable Ant and, you know, sharing scroll and all this stuff matter, teaching people good virtues through characters, I will do that in a very successful way. I know for fact when I go into the ground, hopefully in 55 years, like, you know, that people will say, Gary Vaynerchuk, the creator of V-Friends. I actually believe that. Even if I buy buy the Jets on the back of building V-Friends, my intuition says, first line is creator V-Friends because I think V-Friends is going to be my scaled masterpiece. You know, I think building Gary V has been profoundly satisfying for Gary Vaynerchuk because I'm the architect of the strategy, not even being the front man of it but i only scale so much i have a certain style that doesn't click for everyone i'm a 46 year old white male that doesn't click for everyone there's a million things that don't click my per- like i'm competitive like i get it like for 30% of the world it's fucking the best for 20% of the world it's solid for 10% of the world it's okay and for 40% of the world it's not like i get all those dynamics There's eight billion people but v friends can be 100% penetration and that's and I my it. and that's my focus I,
1: and so let me ask you this, and you've answered this before, but it's a question, and I, I asked the art question, it was very loaded, because in my mind, you just described art, it's emotion, it's polarizing, it gets people to sort of pay attention and build communities. It's really what the output itself is a, is a thing, it's a tangible thing we can lean on, but at the same time, the community built around it is what brings ideas to life. So to me, it is art, and when I think about you know the polarization around it, to me, that's a good thing. But when you're in a situation, and I know you've been asked this before, if someone looks at you and sees your art and sees this piece that we're doing on rally or sees you on TV with a statement about the NFT space and they go, he's full of shit. What do you, what is your response to that? Does it even affect you at this point or is that something that you just know comes with the territory?
0: I'm empathetic. You know, when you rattle off all those names, that first of all, I assume, and I'm not educated, there's a lot of sketches out there of those characters. This has a specific thing with a small group of people that have been following me for 20 years who do believe I'm gonna build Disney and either they're gonna be right or wrong. So that's why I think it commanded that kind of price. My intuition on that is, excuse me, my reaction to that is compassion. Hmm. I understand why people think that, Rob. Makes sense to me. I have no interest in convincing people that it's right. I can only focus on executing to make it right.
1: That's a killer answer. I gotta give you that one. Because I mean, there's a lot of people who don't want someone to be right. They don't want someone who has a following to sort of be, be right. They wanna say, oh, you see, it didn't yeah, work I mean, out, you know, yeah, like that's the I, thing, I'm, it's prevalent. I'm,
0: I'm the kryptonite to the cynical.
1: That's great, that's a great to
0: I'm gonna be a real bad thing for a lot of people who love to tear down and be cynical. I'm the one person they should stay away from because I'm gonna fucking execute because I'm a fucking executor and I've been my whole life. Long before there was fucking Gary Vee, I was a child and built a huge business for my dad with no money, right? Like. Nobody gives a fuck on Madison Avenue that I'm Gary Vee. I walked into that industry as a liquor store child and fucking built the biggest independent agency in the world. Like like I wasn't an investor and I walked into the game investing in Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr and hitting. Like I'm the wrong dude to be cynical about. If you do not wanna be wrong amongst your friends about being cynical because so many people are not good at executing and will fail and are full of shit, you need to focus on them because if you come down my path and be like, "This is bullshit," he's going to lose. I've done twenty years of proving you wrong, and for everybody who's listening, I will continue to do that in your fucking face, right in your fucking mouth, for the rest of my life.
1: And trying to trying to trying to time uh, a top on anybody is always a problem. With you in particular, it's going to be very problematic. I can see the same thing happening, no question. So on that note, I just, note, I
0: just, I just am too good at this. I believe it. I'm too good of a businessman. I have I have too good of intent. The Nick Dio story, like I've got this. This is what I do. This like when I remember. I mean, I wish we had social media the way we have this. When LeBron came out, I was so bullish. LeBron Hmm. bought a shitload of his cards. It was the first time I came back into the game since 94. That's LeBron, documented
1: by the way, documented. That's not, that's not, that's not Forget pul- about not that, you,
0: you're you're seeing 2018, where again, I doubled down on 2004. LeBron already did it by then, hey. 2017. 04, 03 LeBron, I guessed, I had a feeling. I also loved Dwayne Wade, because I loved him in, in the NCAA tournament, but I, that was more guessing. LeBron, I was like, I think this is it. And he played his first game. I think against the Clippers and dropped like 22 or 18. I was like, this is it. New. Took me out of retirement because I retired in 93, 94 from cards. First time I bought in 10 years. Missed that whole 10 year window, the Maguires, all that shit. And all of my friends who said he was gonna suck, I wish they were on the record. (laughs) Like people just wanted to say he was gonna suck because everyone said he was chosen. They were right about Jabari Parker, Rob. They were right about Jabari Parker, but LeBron was the wrong guy.
1: But you know how it is too. It's like for every one one thing that somebody gets right, there's 10 they got wrong. The problem or, is- Or the other way around. The other way I around, exactly. People, That's what I was gonna say. The people, other way around what happens, it's tough. I, I,
0: I love when people say, Gary you know, when, when I nail something, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, okay. A clock gets lucky twice. I'm like, yo, 15 years of content on the internet every day. Pull the clips. It's true. It's all documented. Pull the fucking receipts. So I gotta, like I gotta say that-
1: that so now we're at a point that a lot of this is culmination. I'm thinking about VCon now. And it's a yep. this is a stadium event. So I'm thinking about this as like series one leading into series two, but also in a time where like big in-person events are just starting to come back. I see this as like a web 2.5 play. What should what should we expect and what should holders expect of v friends that have tickets should they expect out of VCON that they're not going to get elsewhere right now in the in-person experience?
0: Well, I mean, this is I mean, what I haven't even announced some of the names yet. Like I mean, this is way too, like, here's my answer. VCon 2023 is going to be like incredibly sought after because the post-mortem of 2022 is gonna get everyone. I mean, it's the culmination of the NFT culture. Everyone's gonna be there. It's gonna be fantastic. We're gonna care. I've got back to my inner circle, literally yesterday with Andy, the president, be friends of like, hey, I gotta give some of my NFT tickets to like 15 of our inner circle people at Vayner Wine Library. I just need my family there yep. because anything that goes wrong, I need to be able to text text and be like, Raghav, go take care of this. Like I need my homies. Like yeah. we have incredible volunteers, incredible infrastructure, incredible people at V friends. But I was like, Andy, let's get 15 of the family members there because I know I can rely on them because if Rob's having a bad, like something broke or uh, uh, anybody that's there is not having a perfect time. I want to be able to fix it and I need to have my infrastructure there. So. I think it's gonna be phenomenal. You can't, look, the real world really matters. That's I Nobody's more bullish on the digital world than me. I've made my whole career on it. But it's an and game, not an or game.
1: That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. And it's all like, we're reopening our new museum in SoHo and we're thinking about like what in-person events are gonna be. And I think it's more what VCon is, where it's curated in a way that it's not four million people begging for attention or trying to jump on a stage. It's an event that it's it's a long ways in the making. You were part of it early. You get to be part of it now. And it's also like incredible experience and, and memory that comes from it that you can take elsewhere and say, to your point, the 2023 version, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? How do we make this even bigger next year? To do it in a smaller group to start and really well curated is the way to make that stuff happen. We think the same way here.
0: I love that. Yeah. Listen, I've, I you know I think with the innovation that you you all have brought to the game, like it's so cool, right? Like, Wall Street didn't exist at one point. And either you owned a business completely or you didn't. And now I own a piece of Netflix and Tesla and it's really neat. And like, I'm really excited about this project. I picked the sharing squirrel cause it's sharing. Yeah. You know, and I think it's gonna be really cool. I have real big ideas for that character long-term too. So I think long-term the people with the HODL hands are gonna really work out. But it's, I'm really excited about it. I really feel like people are gonna be able to at a very low cost be really in the game when the floor of one of my series one NFTs is 50,000, when, when the supply and demand for the $1,000 series two, like I'm very concerned, cause I don't like bubble behavior, how expensive they're gonna be 24 hours later. When somebody's gonna be able to own the holy grail, which is the original art at the fraction price that you guys are offering, like it's fucking cool. Like I like doing things that I would do as a consumer on the other side, which is why this was a yes.
1: No, I appreciate that, and that's we always think about. it, I think the same way you do too. It's the community is what builds this platform, and what's done, what Rally's done well, I think over time is making sure that you have that access, but also that we're here for the long term. So we're always looking for assets, regardless of what it is, where there's like that long term behavior and not that flip behavior that goes with it. So this was a, a natural conversation. I appreciate you doing it with us for sure. I got to end with I got to end with one question. So over the last you know three or four months, you've you've been on TV a couple times. You've had a lot of really great things to say and commentary on the space what does it feel like to get asked a gotcha question on TV and then have the exact right answer queued up to just deliver absolute smoke to a journalist on live TV. <laughs> and then I also want to know, was that a premeditated murder or was that in self-defense? I'm not hundred percent sure. After always, it became the meme, um, I was reviewing it.
0: I'm always self-defense. I never come in with negative intent. I'm a counterpuncher, even though I look like somebody who would be the aggressor based on my energy. Yeah, there's nothing better than to stay very narrow and talk about what you know. I'm very proud that I do that. I stay very narrow in my shit. I talk about perspective and just like how a human has control of seeing the world the way that they can, if they understand kind of the human EQ elements of being a human. I stick to business, I stick to pop culture and sports. I stick to wine and marketing and I stick to, you know, web three NFT kind of strategy and that's it. And so when I go and do an interview like that and out of nowhere you're caught off guard because now you're like, oh shit, this is the tone the journalist wants to take it. There's just no better feeling than when you are about your life. I'm not reading off of a, you know, off of a teleprompter. I'm not living off of a deck that my team made for me. I live this shit 24 seven. I know it cold. Uh, and so that was a lot of fun. And obviously when your face becomes a meme for a moment, uh, it's pretty cool.
1: I think I got to give you credit dude. that's like, uh, you don't have to study it when you're a student of the game and it just comes natural. So I think that's something that you've always sort of had that authenticity comes through for sure. Gary, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Looking forward to the, the rally V front offering on, uh, on our platform and looking forward to VCon and series two. Thanks so much. Cheers. That was the inaugural episode of The Best Money I Ever Spent with Gary V, presented by Rally. I'm glad we got to touch on the physical kind of meets digital a bit, which leads into the newest initial offering on Rally, the original V-Friend drawing of the sharing squirrel from V-Friend Series 1 NFT. We talked about it quick, but the last set of 5 original sold at Christie's for over a 1 million dollars, and it's really the genesis of the entire V-Friends NFT project from Gary On Friday, April 15th, you'll be able to invest in that original sharing squirrel to $275,000 initial offering. There are 27,500 shares. That'll be available on Rally, $10 per share. As always, no minimums at noon Eastern on April 15th. That offering opens exclusively in the Rally app or on rallyroad.com. And we've got some really cool checkout items to go with it. Then around 90 days later, it'll start trading on the Rally secondary market all through registered broker dealers in-app. And as a reminder, do not listen to me or anyone for investment advice. Always do your own research and be sure to read the disclaimer on rallyrd.com before making any investment. All investments involve risk. This is no different and past performance is never an indication of future performance. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Rally and on Twitter where we'll be doing some giveaways leading up to VCon in May. On Twitter, we're at OnRallyRD, O-N-R-A-L-L-Y-R-D. I'm Robert Troza. I'll be back next week with a new episode from another person who's at the front of the Web3 space, really shaping what the future of digital and physical will look like. Bobby Hundreds of the Hundreds and Adam Bomb Squad. Until then, you can find us on rallyroad.com. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything in between. Until next week.